Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fourth String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, we have six weeks or so, not even that, until uh, preseason football starts. We have uh, college football is right around the corner. The sports world is heating up. How are we doing as we as we're getting through this last dry part of the summer before our favorite sport really kicks back in? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely getting really anxious for the start of uh, college and NFL football. Just really can't wait for it. You know what? As a Husker fan, I can wait for it um, <laughs> before my hopes are just getting up again. And then it's just it's all going to be dashed. So I might as well. I'm OK waiting just a little bit longer. Absolutely. No, I I it's one of those I, as a Husker as a Husker fan, Skyler, I totally understand your pessimism. Uh, but as a as a Badger fan, I also totally understand your pessimism. So um, we have yeah, it doesn't talking... it doesn't help when these two send me memes about Nebraska <laughs> football on Twitter regularly. Uh, Why? I mean, do you expect anything different? Let's be honest. Um, uh, we no. have uh, we are continuing our NFL team previews. Uh, we're talking about the Minnesota. Vikings today a real kind of head scratching offseason for the Vikings uh given the way that they played uh last year finishing eight nine they fired Mike Zimmer um who'd been their head coach since 2014 um brought in had some very curious draft moves and not a ton of free agent moves so we're going to be talking about what's going on in Minneapolis here um but before we get started we just want to thank everybody for listening follow us on uh, Twitter uh spotify email us your guys's thoughts fourth string sp at gmail.com and we will be more than happy to talk about them on air um so as i stated we're talking about the minnesota vikings finished eight and nine last year the second consecutive losing season uh for the vikings and the first one since mike or in the and the uh sorry um second consecutive losing season Mike Zimmer as a head coach for the vikings hadn't had a losing season since his first year seven and nine he finishes with a 72 and 56 record there with the Vikings, but eight and nine, simply not good enough. The season started out about as abysmally as it could have with back-to-back losses to Cincinnati and Arizona, one in overtime, uh, one a one-point loss. They beat the Seahawks, lost 14 to seven to the Browns, rattled off two consecutive wins before their week seven bye week to get to three and three. Came out of the bye week, lost back-to-back games to the Cowboys and an overtime to the Ravens beat the Chargers and the Packers to get back up to five and five. But after that, uh, they lose uh, four of their next seven games with losses to San Francisco, Detroit, um, Los Angeles, and the Packers and wins uh, against the Steelers, Bears, and Bears in that time frame. So eight, nine, Kirk Cousins has another Kirk Cousins season, 4,200 yards, 66% completion rating, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, seven interceptions, uh, played in uh, 16 of the 17 games and was only sacked 28 times on the year. Dalvin Cook has over a thousand rushing yards, about 1,400 total yards, six touchdowns. Justin Jefferson has an amazing year, too 108 catches, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. Adam Thielen, who only played in 13 games, still had a pretty solid season 67 catches, 726 yards, 10 touchdowns. And yet, this was a Minnesota team that finished eight and nine, well outside of playoff contention here, just couldn't get their feet under them. So, 2021 about as good as they were in 2020 the year before. What were your guys' thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings last year? Um, 
it's kind of like how your thoughts were the, with Washington. I really didn't learn anything new. It's kind of the same old Vikings. Um, I think it was a good change for them to fire Mike Zimmer last year, just because I feel like after they made that crazy run with uh, Case Kim as their quarterback a couple of years ago, they just haven't been the same sense as a team. And for a guy who's been touted as a really good defensive mind, it just seems like his defense was just getting worse and worse each year. Um, every year he's spending high draft picks on cornerbacks uh, and they just never seem to pan out. So I definitely get the change and it just really didn't help them last year that their top two edge rushers were basically out for the whole year with injury. Um, so the defense really let them down. Um, but I feel like the, the offense has always been their bright spot and you've read all the stats and um, unfortunately the defense kept them from playing to their potential. Yeah. Um, for this team, it's kind of hard to, like we talk about the defense, but I also talk about like Dalvin Cook was nowhere near where he was supposed to, like what he was last season, um, kind of a drop off in talent, not in talent, but at least production. Um, what happened, Kirk Cousins, again, like if you look at the stats, is performing around the same. You still have um, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Brady, Brady's favorite Iowa Hawkeye, Osborne, is on the team, uh, played relatively – like played good for a rookie. Um, it's kind of hard to compare like what he did when you have guys like Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. You're getting also. Osborne and Amir Smith-Marset mixed up. Ah, shit, sorry. Um, uh Okay, but you still had Osborne that played relatively mm-hmm. well. I got it mixed up, yeah. right? Um, again, it's still hard to compare. Like, and Amir Smith Marset didn't play bad, um, but again, it's hard to compare what they did versus, uh, like, when you have guys like Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, who are also rookie wide receivers in this year, and you feel or Devontae Smith, and again, like the the um, the amount of talent at wide receiver in the NFL has continued to go up and up and up the last couple of seasons. Um, the defense again, I think, but but I do agree with Mitch that the defense was the, uh, the falling, like the, the the it was the straw that broke Campbell's back for this team because if you're looking at it like Zimmer was supposed to be a defensive coach, and uh, we had talked at nauseum the last two seasons about how the revolving door of defensive backs on this team, um, how I can look at their I can look at their roster and look at their lineup and it's like okay the front four you got a pretty good front four and with some additions this season like or this off season it got better um, your linebacking core you had Barr and um, uh, and uh, Hendricks and Hendricks for the longest time. And they were very good at what they did at safety. You had Harrison Smith and um, the other Smith um, uh, Xavier Woods that were playing amazing, that, that did good work back there. But for some reason at defensive at like corner, it was a consistent uh, a thorn in this team's side. Now I don't know if O'Donnell comes in and if he can fix those kinds of things, being an offensive coach. Um, I don't know what kind of production, but there I, between um, Chris Spielman, some of Chris Spielman's moves as a roster building, kind of uh, what they were doing and the scouting that they were doing um, and Zimmer's Zimmer lost the locker room um, at some point there too. And, and, um, when Zimmer fired, we kind of figured out what I was actually happening in Minnesota. So, I mean, this is a team that has a lot of good upside and could, again, potentially compete for what I think the three of us agree is a wide open NFC North. Um, 
but we just kind of have to see if they can if they can be as good as they are supposed to be on paper. Yeah, listen, like it's before I get to Kirk Cousins because I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> you, can, you can do an hour on Kirk Cousins by himself. If you look, if you look at their statistics, there's lots of statistics across the board where the defense is bottom of the barrel, thirtieth uh, in the league in uh, yards given up, twenty fourth in personal fouls. Uh, 28th in uh, yard, uh, passing yards given up, um, 26th in rushing yards given up, 29th in, uh, in yards per attempt rushing, um, 23rd in uh, yards given up per drive, 19th in points given up. But this was all like, let's also not confuse the fact that this was a rather middling offense, also. 14th in the league in points per game, uh, 12th in the league in yards. Uh, you had 16, 16th in the league. In rushing attempts, 28th in rushing touchdowns, uh, 31st, it, well, actually a good stat, 31st in turnover percentage, um, 28th in average time per drive. Their average time per offensive drive was two minutes and 34 seconds on, uh, on the year. That's awful. 27th in plays, 18th in yards, 15th in points. Like not, it was a very middling offense. And when you look at Kirk Cousins, man, Kirk Cousins checks off all of the statistics you want out of a quarterback. He had a more than almost a five to one touchdown interception ratio, 66% completion uh, percentage, uh, only sacked 28 times. So, so what's the reason that this offense struggled so bad in so many instances? This team finished eight, nine, eight of their nine losses within a possession six of their eight wins within a possession. So you can sit there and make the argument that if Minnesota had played slightly better on offense or slightly better on defense, that this, that this team could be uh, a 13 and four football team. And it's not an unfair argument to make, but at the same time, you can make the argument that, that this team was barely good enough to avoid going three and 14 last year. It's they're just a very middling team. And and listen, you got the performance out of Kirk Cousins that you want out of it. Is it worth 30 to 45 million dollars a year fully guaranteed? I don't know. Is an eight, nine record worth it? You've got a career 500 quarterback back there with two very good wide receivers who combined for over 2300 yards and 20 touchdowns on the year. The only real statistic that I'll say Dalvin Cook took a step back on is total touchdowns. He only had six, didn't have any receiving touchdowns. Alexander Madison, who me and Skyler had a lengthy debate on last year, I said had to reach that four yards per carry mark. Skyler, he finished 3.7 yards per carry. So you had hey, he won hey, he won me a couple games in fantasy football. I, I get it, man. So I get it. Man. I'm not gonna I get complain. It, I think he did what he needed to do. But listen, like we walked into last year and we were like, the one thing holding back this Minnesota offense is the offensive line. And they gave up 28 sacks the entire year against on Kirk Cousins. They gave up two when Sean Mannion was quarterback. So 30 on the whole year. That's less than two sacks per game. And yet this team finished eight and nine. You had a couple of huge signature wins. You beat the Packers 34 to 31 at home and you get crushed to them. You get crushed to them week 17 in Green Bay. Like absolutely annihilated. Also called you, it. <laughs> you uh, you actually you finish eight and nine on the year, but you played really well in division. Uh, you split the series with the Lions, you split the series with the Packers, and you swept the Chicago Bears. You finished four and two in division, which means you finished four and seven against everybody else. Like the, a huge part of this was the defense. If you get into their defensive statistics, they're just simply not good. But we also have to talk about the fact that there were a lot of moments where this offense would put up the statistics 
and yet still couldn't actually get any traction. I go to the seven points they put up against Cleveland. I go to the 16 points they put up against Dallas. I go to the 10 points they put up against Green Bay. I go to the 17 points they put up in a win against Chicago when they won 17 to nine. There were lots of games where this team just simply was not good. And I don't know if Kevin O'Connell can, can change that for this Minnesota team because you have all of the pieces there, but there's still some huge disconnect between production and wins. Kirk Cousins has the production to be a top 10 quarterback. Kirk Cousins does not have the wins to be a top 10 quarterback. He's a career 500 quarterback. So there's, there's lots of things when it comes to this Minnesota team. Um, you add on the fact that, yeah, that defense was bad, but that defense also added Patrick Peterson at that cornerback position, who they brought back again this year. Patrick Peterson, one of the best corners the NFL has had over the last two, 10 years. Sure, he's had a drop-off. He's gotten older. There's no doubt about that. But as Mitch said, you've invested how many first-round draft picks in the secondary position. You've allowed solid linebackers to walk to repl- uh, to keep guys like Eric Kendricks and, uh, and the other guy, Anthony Barr. Um, you annihilated your defensive line a couple of years ago, and then you wonder why you don't really have a pass rush. Remember, the Vikings traded for Yannick Ngakwe and then traded Yannick Ngakwe away all in the same season. Like, the front office for Minnesota was an absolute mess, um, and it has been for a while. Maybe that's the thing that's holding this team back. I don't don't necessarily know. But I – there was really not anything – redeemable about Minnesota offensively or defensively. They were a middle of the road 500 esque football team. And there's not many reasons to believe that's going to change a whole lot, in my opinion, going forward into the next season. But one way in which it could change is taking a look at their free agent gains and losses. They had a couple of really solid signings, picked up Jordan Hicks, a linebacker from the Cardinals, picked up Zedarius Smith from the Green Bay Packers, picked up Jeff, Jesse Davis uh, and Albert Wilson, a right tackle and wide receiver from Miami, um, Shandon Sullivan from the Packers. Um, but uh, looking at their losses, they really didn't have a ton. Right now, their two biggest losses are Tyler Conklin, who we talked about going to the Jets, um, uh, Tyler Conklin going to the Jets, um, and then you lost – Mason Cole, a backup center to the Steelers and to Sean Bowser, an edge rusher, uh, Dakota Dozier, a left guard who didn't even play for you really at all. Xavier Woods is probably your biggest loss at the safety position going to Carolina, but taking a look at the gains and losses, what stands out to you guys? Um, yeah, I think there's two big losses. Uh, one you hit on, uh, Tyler Conklin. Um, I feel like he was really productive for them and, I know that they got, uh, was it Irv Smith Jr.? But to me, yes. he's kind of like the next O.J. Howard. Like, the potential is there, but he hasn't proved it yet. And I don't know. I'd rather have kept Conklin, who showed to me that he can be productive with this personnel or the guy that maybe could be good. So I think that's a mistake on their part. And it's kind of a little weird to me that they haven't brought back uh, Anthony Barr yet because I just feel like uh, – it, the linebacking core is slowly starting to degrade. Um, but the one pickup that I really only liked was Jordan Hicks because I feel like he had a career resurgence after Arizona decided to get Isaiah Simmons. And um, last year he put up 116 tackles, four sacks, to force fumble. I feel like he can help uh, replace the production that uh, they're going to miss with Anthony Barr. 
Um, and I know like the, the big signing is obviously Zadarius Smith, but I don't know how productive he's going to be. I mean, he's getting into his thirties and he's coming off a back injury that cost him all but like two games last year. Yeah. And you already have a injury prone, the edge rusher and Daniel Hunter. So I don't know how, if he's going to have that same impact that he did with green Bay. So I'm really cautious on that. Um, so those that's how I kind of see their free agency. Yeah. Um, looking at it, I, I think Xavier Woods is a big loss in the back end as a safety. Um, talked about that Tyler Conklin. I really like the guy. I'm glad I'm sad to see him go, but I still think that um what uh the kind of offense that Kevin O'Donnell's gonna be bringing in um isn't gonna rely on the tight end as much. And we've all noticed that like the strength of this team is like the strength of this team offensively is the special is like their um uh crap. Uh the their uh I can't think of the word, like the specific word, um, but like their their uh, pass catcher, like the pass catching ability of this team. I mean, you have Justin Jefferson, who is rightfully up there for best wide receiver, not only like now, not only in the NFC North, but in the league. Um, Adam Thielen, who is a reliable threat. Um, Osborne, who showed up last season, you have uh, the best, the best Iowa hockey and Smith Marset. Um, you have those guys, Dalvin Cook can, can, uh, catch out of the backfield. Um, so like I, I, Tyler Conklin is a loss, but it, I, I think that it, that their production can be found somewhere else on the team. And you still have Irv Smith Jr. Um, and they just drafted a tight end as well. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and I, I gotta say the weirdest one is Anthony Barr leaving. Uh, it's just going to be weird not to see Hendricks and Barr in the middle of that, of that team, Anthony Barr, whatever you think of him, he was, a, he was, a uh, a productive linebacker for them. Uh, always at the top of the team in tackles, always at the, like played very, very well. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. He still hasn't picked a place yet, um, but he's going to find a place to go and play. Um, uh, yeah. The, as for additions, Darius Smith, uh, again, lost the last season, but even before that, it was a very productive in his last full season. He was third in the NFL in sacks. It's been, yeah, been two years. Um, but he's still very productive and a very good player because um, he came back in those two games for uh, Green Bay and had two sacks. So, like, he was he was doing exactly what he needed to, and I don't think that anybody's going to blame Zadarius Smith for that loss against San Francisco in the, in the snow. Like, he, he did everything that he possibly could coming back. It was definitely the offense's fault for that loss. So, like, still a strong piece. Um, I don't think the Packers are going to miss him as much because they had a season without him and they still had a pretty good production, but uh, as bringing him in for the Vikings, it's a good win. Um, I also liked uh, the Chris Reed pickup um, from the Colts. I need to pull him up real quick. Uh, uh, left guard. Left guard, yeah. Um, he was an understated uh, part of that Colts offensive line. Um, he filled in uh, at different times for uh, – uh, Quince Nelson uh, is a very, very good run blocker. And so exactly like when we're looking at what this team is, is going to want to do moving forward, they're going to want to um, – they're going to want to move the ball. He played 500 snaps last season and didn't allow a single sack, only had three penalties. So we're talking about that. Um, like Brady was listening, those kinds of things. Like, one, the the – Vikings as a whole did good in pass protection, not a lot of sacks, but then they also were 
way too high in the league in penalties. So you need, so getting a guy that comes in is disciplined and is going to help move forward. I really like that. And then the other guy is uh, Harrison Phillips um, in the interior defensive lineman. Um, I can't remember where they got him from, but uh, he, if Brady can tell me. Uh, um, Harrison Phillips? Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. Um, Good run stopper. Um, And so now I'm thinking uh, like, like part of that really good run defense in Buffalo last season. So if I, if I'm looking at, you know, Chicago's going to run the want to run the ball down my throat. Deandre Swift emerged as a, as a good weapon for uh, Detroit. We need somebody to kind of stop him. Um, and between uh, AJ Dillon and um, ah, shit, who's your other running back? Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. They're going to want to do something similar. Um, it, 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 uh, the, the interior defensive line for this team last season was a little weak, but bringing in Harrison Phillips, now you have somebody as a run defender that can get get that can play well. Um, didn't uh, didn't show up a ton on the stats, but again, just as a guy to to blow that up, blow up the middle of the of that offensive line, it's going to help this team specifically with Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter on the outside. They're going to they need they need some other third threat threat in the inside that can at least take up some room. Um, but he's again much much better as a run as a run stopper yeah listen there's a lot of there's a lot of their gains that i really like what i like about minnesota was that between jordan hicks patrick peterson zadari smith and adam thielen those two signings and re-signings cost you about 37 million dollars that's a solid return on investment for four players and then that doesn't even add on the fact that i think a more impactful player than Zadarius smith coming over is Chandon Sullivan from the Green Bay Packers. They brought over a solid 26-year-old corner who has tons of experience, and they're paying him less than $2 million a year. That's, that's huge, right? Here's the issue, though. You extended Kirk Cousins for $35 million a year, right? So Kirk Cousins, who is now extended through 2025, and the only year he has a uh, – the only year he's not going to have a massive cap hit is 2024 when it's just zero. So you wouldn't even get any actual money for uh, – uh, for cutting him, you just wouldn't spend any money for uh, for cutting him. There wouldn't be any dead cap. However, if you keep him past that year, you still pay him uh, 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 six six and a quarter million dollars for 2025. So on one hand, like I look at it, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of really solid, really savvy signings for here. I love the Jesse Davis signing. I love the Albert Wilson signing. I love the Chandon Sullivan signing. But... My guys, my man, I, Kirk Cousins is not worth $35 million fucking dollars a year, and he's not worth it to keep on your roster for the next three seasons. Like, it's as simple as that. I understand lackluster quarterback class coming in, not really anybody through free agency or through trade that could be massively worth uh, uh, or could keep yourself competitive. But all Kirk Cousins has shown you is that he can keep you competitive and that you're 500, not that he can keep you competitive as an actual successful football team. Adam Thielen is 30 years old. He's not going to get any younger. He's gotten hurt a lot more recently these last couple of years. Justin Jefferson is really coming into his own, but he's got a big payday that's coming up here soon. Dalvin Cook, who already held out for a part of camp last season for a payday, you you just paid out. You invested uh, $15 million in Zadarius Smith, a guy who, as Skyler said, as Mitch said, only played in two games last year. And as a Packer fan, we loved having Zadarius Smith. The Smith brothers were a huge part of our success for the last three seasons. But Green Bay's fine without him. There's a reason Green Bay let him walk. Um, 
So like if I were to grade the free agency, if I were to take the Kirk Cousins out of it, I'd probably give it an A plus because across the board, it's really solid because I think that bringing in Shannon Sullivan and returning Patrick Peterson helps with that secondary position. I think it sort of mitigates the loss of, of Xavier Woods. Um, my only issue with the loss of Xavier Woods is that Xavier Woods signed for Carolina for about $5 million a year. You could have brought him back. It would have been very easy. Had this team brought Xavier Woods back, I would have been less. Um, I would have been a little bit less upset about them not having re-signed Anthony Barr yet. But they let uh, Xavier Woods walk. They let Mackenzie Alexander walk. He still hasn't been signed by anybody, so obviously there's a chance that he can come back. But this was a team that we agreed their defense really got hurt, and outside of a couple of sort of mitigating signings didn't do much through free agency to address that. Now, part of it is their cap space. They already didn't have a ton of it coming in. They had to extend Kirk cousins in order to, in order to uh, uh, keep any sort of cap space right there. But the one thing to keep at, uh, keep an eye out with Minnesota is that they do still have about $11 million in cap space available. So the idea they could very easily bring back Anthony Barr or Mackenzie Alexander, or even go out and pick up another maybe splashier free agent um, who can help this team out. It, it sort of remains to be seen. But Minnesota also needs to understand that they have to be willing to put that money away in order to re-sign some of these really key additions and key pieces that they have going forward in the future. Um, let's hop right, over. No, go ahead. No, one second. Real quick question. Okay, so what, what do you – what – if you are the new GM? Uh-huh. And you're looking at your, you're looking at the cap hell that is the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And you realize, okay, and like you said, you go, okay, you look at the upcoming draft class. Mm -hmm. There's really no one I want to take in the first round. Mm -hmm. The only guy that I want to take is probably <laughs> going to get picked up by, like, I'm not taking with the 12th overall pick. Yeah. And, and realistically, you're not going to trade for Baker. You're not going to trade for Jimmy yeah, G. Yeah. You're not going to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just getting, I'm just getting the same player. Um, and one with, one with injury issues and one with, you know, uh, um, behavioral issues. Um, okay. So what do you do knowing that the only way that I can get anything in cap space is that mm -hmm. I extend him? What do you do then? Listen, they made the correct decision in extending Kirk Cousins. However, I can knock them for putting themselves in a situation where the only correct decision is to extend Kirk Cousins. No, I agree. Right. But that was a decision, so, that so was a, you that was a position remember, that was put into him by JD Spielman or not JD Spielman, Chris Spielman. You're absolutely right? you're, ab you're absolutely correct. But then the new the new front office has to carry over that decision. When we sit here and yeah. we and we sit here and we say. I have to look at this through the lens of the new front office. And unfortunately, a large part of the lens of the new front office is what the previous front office has left you. Yeah. We have to sit here and understand that the previous front office left them in a horrible position. Remember, they signed Kirk Cousins originally on a three-year, $90 million fully guaranteed salary. Kirk Cousins has no incentive at all to redo his contract. There's, there's no, there was no incentive in it. The, the Vikings, the ownership of the Vikings – agreed that that was the smart decision to make. And we've seen the success that's born out of it. One playoff win over three seasons, one playoff appearance over three seasons. 
right? And that playoff win, if you ask Saints fans, was only because Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph committed offensive pass interference, right? So you want to throw an asterisk on that, you can throw an asterisk on that. I can sit here and agree on one hand that, that extending Kirk Cousins was the best move that you could make and also sit here and agree on the other hand that it's put yourself as a team, as a franchise, as an organization in one of the worst possible positions you can possibly be in. Right. Yeah, I, I the agree. same, and, and, and you can take that same lens, that same viewpoint, and you can flip it over across the Mississippi river and take a look at green Bay because green Bay is in the same situation, right? On one hand, I've either got to pay Aaron Rodgers $45 million a year. At least I get a quarterback who's been semi-successful or I have to trust in Jordan love who has, who has two career starts or one career start, sorry. And just a couple of, backup role snaps under his belt right so so you we can sit here and we can knock them for putting themselves in a bad situation but also say they made the best out of the bad situation however the best out of a bad situation doesn't always mean you're putting yourself anywhere near an even average let alone a good situation to thrive in right because you by virtue of extending him through 2022 through 2023 and not being able to cut him without a penalty till 2024, you've now put yourself in a situation that you're either going to have to draft a quarterback next year when the quarterback draft class is a lot better, have him sit because you're paying Kirk Cousins $35 million a year, or have him start and then pay Kirk Cousins $35 million a year to sit on your bench because you wouldn't, you don't have the cap space to cut Kirk Cousins next season. So, no, I, so like I, I can, I'll sit there and I'll agree it's the best thing that they could have done, but the best thing they could have done given how shitty of a situation they all inherited walking into this. No, I agree. Like I'm going to say, like, I think we all kind of talked about it at the beginning. It was like the worst situation to walk into right now was the Minnesota Vikings situation. Like we all agreed that that was a shitty situation to walk into. Mm -hmm. The fact that we can look at this free agency and be like, okay, you extended Kirk Cousins. That was something you had to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Like any other thing, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Okay, so they did the one thing that they had to do in order to have somewhat of a successful free agency. In order to and meet they, 500. Yeah, in order to meet 500. No, I like I get it. I understand. But now I'm looking at it because I can look at the times that Kirk Cousins didn't go, that went over 500 and actually was somewhat successful. Because I can look at his stats and I, I can tell you at least 16 teams in the NFL will be like, I would take that quarterback right now if I'm getting that kind of production. For 35 million a year? I don't know if that, no, again, again, I agree with that point. That is stupid. But what I'm saying is that there are 16 different teams. Like I can name a bunch of teams that would be like, if I'm getting this kind of production where he's not turning the ball over and is able to, and again, you can look at it because he has world-class wide receivers and one of the best running backs in the NFL on his team, that definitely helps. But then I look at that and then I say, okay, they added Chris Reed, they added, uh, Zedaria Smith. They added Harrison Phillips. They added all of these pieces that we can look at and we'll be like, okay, that's a good move. That's a good move. That's a good move. That's a good move. I think that going into a shitty situation and we can look at their free agency and be like, that's pretty good. That I, I think that that part needs to be applauded by a new front office that we've seen, like you've said, historically that the Minnesota Vikings have made dumb moves at dumb times where they did not need to do it. Because we can look back at the different times that Kirk, Kirk Cousins was signed or he was mm-hmm. traded to the team in which it was not, not something that needed to be done. It was not something that they needed to do. And then the one time that we're like, like I, I, I for one, am not going to criticize the Minnesota Vikings or at least this new front office for doing something that they had to do in order to have somewhat of a good offseason at the free agency level. Well, I guess let me rephrase this. 
they did not have to re-sign Kirk Cousins. But they right? Yeah, let me, okay, so let I me understand. let me let me let me ask let me just throw up a hypothetical here really quick, right? Let's say Kirk Cousins does what Kirk Cousins does, and Minnesota yeah. goes nine and eight next year, right? Yeah. You're picking roughly sixteen through eighteen, maybe maybe even twelve through sixteen, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Too far back that you're going to be able to draft probably a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young or somebody like that, right? But close enough that in a certain package deal, you could move up and grab somebody, grab a solid quarterback. Yeah. But I've got Kirk Cousins on my payroll for another $35 million next year. What do you do? Is So the first, the first part of that question is, is Kirk Cousins the long-term answer in Minnesota? Yes or no? No. Great. No. So now that you've re-signed him for $35 million a year, when do you make that turn? Do you wait until 2024 when you can cut him for no money? Do you wait until 2025 when you can cut him and lose about $6.25 million? What, what, what is the next step for Minnesota after Kirk Cousins? We know what the next step is for Green Bay. We have a good idea what the next step is for Detroit. Chicago's already in their next step. What's the next step for Minnesota when it comes to the Kirk Cousins situation? Because, Skyler, you're absolutely correct. There's half the teams in this league. Pretty much every single team we've covered up to this point would yeah. probably be a better football team with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. However, you also have to look at it and go, he's got two world-class wide receivers, one, uh, in my opinion, a top five halfback in the league, an offensive yeah. line who gave up less than two sacks, and yet you only won eight football games. No, I agree, because so, the defense was shit. Great. You're right. Your defense was shit. But even two years before that, when you were 11 and five, I believe, and you won that playoff game against New Orleans, your defense was fantastic. And you had a perfect opportunity to close out the NFC North at home against Green Bay. And you put up an abysmal performance to do so. So but wasn't that with, hey, one sec. But wasn't that with Christian Pond, not Christian Ponder? Um, nope. Kirk Cousins started that game. Matt LaFleur's first year, week 15 or 16 in uh, in Minnesota. Minnesota was a game behind Green Bay. A, if they had won that game, it would have been tied. It would have come down to uh, how the teams played their last I week of the season. There was, I like Case Keenum was starting a good chunk of games for you that season. Nope, that was no because this was Matt Lafleur's first year, which was the last time, which was 2020, and that was the last time the Minnesota Vikings were uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's 2019. Was the Case Keenum run? Was the Case Keenum year? Okay, I'm just. I am okay. Because the Case Keenum year was the last year that Mike McCarthy was head coach of the Packers. So that's and and Minnesota, I think, beat Green Bay and tied Green Bay that year in terms of uh in terms of like th their overall performance and stuff. But but Case, like, but Case Keenum was the guy like Case Keenum was the guy that did the Minnesota, like he was the quarterback during the Minnesota Miracle. Yes, Case Keenum. Yeah. yeah, because remember, okay. Sam Bradford had gotten hurt, and Sam Bradford was supposed to be the quarterback at that time. They yeah, traded no, okay. for Case Keenum, and that was, and then that offseason, they paid okay. Kirk Cousins ninety million dollars over three years to come be quarterback. No, I do a worse job than Case Keenum. To do a worse job than Case Keenum. But what, but what has Case Keenum done since then? Doesn't matter. Case Keenum inherited the same defense as a backup quarterback that Kirk Cousins got the year later, and Case Keenum won two more football games that season and took him to an NFC Championship game. So. Like, 
career 500 record out of Kirk Cousins. We can agree that it was the best of a bad situation, but we can also like, I I'm genuinely curious to you guys, like what do you do next year or the year after that? Let's say you go eight and nine or nine and eight. Hell, let's even say that you go 11 and six and maybe make a playoff game. Is Kirk Cousins the long-term answer? At what point do you sit there and go, Simply, maybe I have to draft another quarterback? Simply out of age, you know, for a fact that he's not the long-term answer. Mm -hmm. Like, so, like, how, like, but but the problem is, too, is that, what, last 20, in the 2021 draft, you, you draft Kellen Mond. Right in the yeah, correct. <laughs> so you draft Kellen Mond, and I'm looking at their schedule. So if I'm I'm looking at like from last season, mm-hmm. and okay, you lose to so and, and so you go nine and eight with eight and nine, eight and nine. Sorry, you go eight and nine with uh, a three point loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. a one point loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You lose by a touchdown to the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. After uh, only putting up a touchdown in that game. You lose to Cowboys by four. You lose to Baltimore by three. Yep, in overtime. You lose to San Francisco by eight. You lose to the Detroit Lions by two. You lose by a touchdown to Los Angeles Rams. So besides the Green Bay Packer loss, you lose every other game by a possession or or less and how many of their eight wins were by a possession or more um one two give me a second seattle by seattle by 13 chicago by 14 week 17 okay so yes so what i'm so what i'm telling you is that if you have a better defense because you listed all of the things mm-hmm. that was bad about this defense last mm-hmm. year. And again, there were things about this offense that needed to improve. Like you said, uh, average possession time. And part of that is because you have a, one of the most explosive wide receivers that we have ever seen in the NFL. And part of that is also when you couldn't do anything on offense, it was usually a three and out. I will completely and totally agree with that. But you're looking at a defense that you listed all of these horrible stats for like mm-hmm. what, one of the worst passing, one of the worst, uh, uh, passing. Uh, one second. I can, I can go back through, uh, 30th in yards given up on the season, 24th in personal fouls, 30th in first downs given up 28th in yards given up 22nd touchdowns, 23rd in uh, rushing yards per, or sorry, passing yards per attempt. 29th in rushing yards per attempt, 26th in rushing yards given up, uh, 20th in plays given up, 23rd in yards given up, 19th in points given up. Okay, so if any of those statistics improve, not even from, like, to top 10, Mm -hmm. but just middling, where you're an average defense, do you think that they win at least one or two more games? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then, so that's, that's where I'm going right now is that we like to put a lot of blame. Mm -hmm. And again, there are times where Kirk Cousins is the reason why they're right around 500. 
I could argue that there were about nine times last season that Kirk Cousins was the reason they were about. Kirk seven. Cousins was not the I can only at least name to... I can at least name two for sure times. And that's when okay. your defense, who we agree is one of the worst, held the Dallas Cow- Dallas Cowboys, who scored the most points in the NFL last year, to 20 points the whole game. You lost by four. I can argue when your defense held the Cleveland Browns, a dog shit team offensively, to 14 points per game, your offense only put up seven. Okay, and Brady, but what I'm saying, okay, so you're looking at nine games, mm-hmm. and you're saying two of them are Kirk Cousins' fault, for sure. right? For I'm sure. saying two. I'm saying without without a doubt, two of them are for sure Kirk Cousins' fault. Uh, I could, if okay, you want, so, I can also throw in the 29 to 27 loss to Detroit in Week 13, and I could also throw in the 37 to 10 loss to Green Bay in Week 16. So I could okay. I could for sure put two on there. If you want, I could go up to four. Okay, so so in the game in which the game in which the Minnesota Vikings let mm-hmm. up, lost the their only game by more than one possession. Yeah, you're going to blame Kirk Cousins for that one. Oh yeah, sure. Let's go look at his stat line here. Um, oh no, I'm actually look- sorry. I'm actually sorry. I can't blame Kirk Cousins for that one because Sean Mannion was the quarterback in that game. So, but I can still blame him for the other three. So, like what what I'm trying to say is that again. Kirk cut like we want to shit on Kirk Cousins as much as we possibly can because it is Brady's favorite pastime. But what I'm also gonna say is that like we like we said, if Kirk Cousins is on at least eleven other teams that we've covered so far, mm-hmm. he makes that team better. But why can't he make this one better? Because he doesn't have a fucking defense, Brady. He, but the thing so is, what, Tyler, so, that he's had, so hold on, let's, let's, wait, let's hold on for wait, a minute. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel, like, ask, I feel like, I feel like there's a disconnect between you two. I feel like. Yeah, I was going to ask Mitch what Brady, your thoughts Brady, on this. Brady's, Brady, I think what Brady is trying to say is that it's not all Kirk Cousins' fault. He already acknowledged it's a bad defense, but he's saying that Kirk Cousins plays a role into why they're not succeeding to their potential, where I feel like Skyler is taking it as, it's just Kirk Cousins' fault, and the defense plays no part. Brady's trying to say that it was the defense and Kirk Cousins together okay. that's causing this. Because you get those just Kirk Cousins, and I agree with you, Mitch. Because you'd get those games where the defense would play fantastic, where they'd hold Dallas to twenty points, where they'd hold Cleveland to fourteen points, and the offense wasn't there to do anything with it. Okay, but I'm, I'm looking. Okay, so I'm looking at expected points. Expected points for this team on on what they were supposed like how like like how much they added to the team's performance throughout the game okay mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals this the, minus six points for the defense Arizona Cardinals minus 11 points by the defense the game that they won against Seattle minus 14 from the defense the game that they lost against Baltimore minus 20 the game that they that they won against Green Bay minus 22. The game that the game that they lose uh, by Detroit by uh, two minus five from the defense. So, like, what I'm saying is that I can look at at least five games right now where it is expected points in which that the, that by by from what their actual scoreline was, and that the defense hurt this team. I can look at that metric, and again, because it's a metric and it is all analytics, there are things that analytics don't cover. We can Absolutely. get into the whole. We can get into the whole plus minus debate again later. But the thing is, is I can look at least five games where, according to the expected points of how much they added to the team, the defense 
caused a lot, like, like flat out was one of the reasons or three games where they lost and in two games made a game close that shouldn't have been close. And that the offense actually outperformed, like added points to the team. So like, again, I will agree. Kirk Cousins, I like, and I agree with Mitch. I don't think that Kirk Cousins is the sole reason that this team is bad. I think that he adds to it definitely because he is a middling quarterback an average quarterback that puts up good numbers, not great numbers, but good numbers, but that the defense last year definitely hurt this team more than it needed to. And that that is something that we should put on par with Kirk Cousins, if not even more about why this team was eight and nine. And that goes to the head coach and that coaching staff for this team because it's supposed to be a defensive coach and you are putting up some of the worst defensive statistics. The fact that your offense is even playing as well as they are when you are a decent, a good, you're supposed to be a good defensive head coach and you can't produce at least average defensive statistics and your team is eight and nine. At that point, I'm looking at the philosophy and I'm looking at how this team is supposed to be organized together. And I'm saying that right there, right then, that is a head coach fault. That is an organizational fault in this team that you're having a good D offense, but the defense, the thing that you are supposed to be good at is not rising to the challenge to meet them. And we agreed the one time in which this team was actually pretty decent, not more than decent, actually really good that they went to the playoffs, won the won a game, uh, and we're honestly should have beat the Philadelphia Eagles to go to a Super Bowl. And that was my opinion, but they got their asses handed to them. That, that was pre-Kirk Cousins. That was pre-Kirk Cousins. But again, we've talked about it. It was because they had a solid defense. When we're talking about the good Vikings teams in the, in the past where you had Adrian Peterson running for 2000 yards and you like, you also had a good defense that backed it up. When we talk about the, the 12 and four Minnesota Viking team with Brett Favre, like you had a de- you had Jared Allen on the other side that was causing causing havoc on the other side of the ball. So like what I'm saying is that again, yes, Kirk Cousins by himself is not adding or subtracting to this team. And that's Great. not let's take that point right there and let's say he's not adding or subtracting, but I'm gonna pay him $35 million. Is that a good return on investment? But again, what are you supposed to do if you're this front office? Because you've got, you've got two options. You, you, and I agree with Mitch 100%. You start the rebuild. You've got Justin Jefferson, who's guaranteed under contract for you for three more years. You'd already re-signed Dalvin Cook. Your offensive line has been a, has been a, a working piece throughout these last couple of years. And you only gave up 28 sacks against Kirk Cousins. You give up two with Sean Mannion, 30 for the whole season, right? But instead of – but what you do is you double down – on Kirk Cousins, we can sit here, Sky. We can look at the statistics: thirty-three touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's something that shit, dude. A ton of people. Five want. for one. That's, that's a, a five, five for one. one. Kirk Cousins, year in and year out, leads the league in completion percentage. But let me ask you a simple question: If those things are 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 all true as they are, why was this team twentieth in first downs and twenty-eighth in average yards per drive offensively? Why? That's not the defense's fault. That's not the defense's fault. When the offense got out there, they were below average in the league in average first downs and they were t- they were 28th out of 32 in in time in in uh in drive time oh i agree they, they were it, it was all so 
So yeah, we can sit here and we can say the defense definitely hurt this team. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And, and that's why I said at the beginning of my season recap, this Vikings team was a couple of breaks away from going 14 and three. And unfortunately was a couple of saves away from going three and 14. And then you double down on that and agree to pay Kirk cousins, $35 million a year because he's got you by the fucking cojones with the way that the front office has set this up. I agree. I feel like you guys have been saying the same thing. Like you both agree that Kirk Cousins and the defense are both the problem. We just disagree about what is more of a problem. Yeah. Skyler's putting more, a little more emphasis on defense and Brady's putting more emphasis on Kirk Cousins because of the contract. But you both agree that Kirk Cousins and the defense are the problem. How about that draft though? How about that draft though? Let's move on here to the draft. There's going to be, there's going to be plenty of time for us to discuss Kirk Cousins in, uh, in future episodes here, but the Minnesota draft. So first off, and I'm going to say this while Skyler's off camera, so he doesn't he doesn't yell at me again. First off, <laughs> the first thing you have to color with this draft is that you traded out of the first round twice to allow, or sorry, you traded out of the first round to allow Detroit to trade up and take the wide receiver they wanted, and then in the second round you traded out of that space to allow Green Bay to come up and draft the wide receiver they wanted. That's something you have to remember with this draft is that you traded two picks to division rivals to pick up wide receivers when we've all sat here and agreed that the secondary position is one of the weakest parts of this defense. With that in mind, let's take a look at how they invested in the secondary through this draft. Uh, 32nd pick in the first round, they took Lewis Sign, the safety out of Georgia. Um, In the second round, they took Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson. They also took Ed Ingram, the uh, guard out of LSU. And uh, in the third round, Brian uh, Asamoah, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. They took a Caleb Evans in the fourth round, a corner out of Missouri. Um, Ezi uh, Odomewo, the uh, defensive lineman out of Minnesota in the fifth round. Tyler Chandler, the running back out of uh, North Carolina in the fifth round. Uh, Vidarian Lowe, the tackle out of Illinois in the sixth round. Jalen Naylor, the wide receiver out of Michigan State in the sixth round, and Nick Muse, a tight end out of South Carolina in the seventh round. So, Mitch, we'll start with you. How do you grade the Minnesota uh, draft class this last year? I feel like on talent alone, it's a B, but I'm going to get a C plus just because of the reason that you said at the beginning. Uh, Trading down and letting your in-division rivals pick up uh, big weapons like that, I think definitely deserves a downgrade on that. Um, but for I think they made some good picks. Like I like the Lewis Sign pick because um, I feel like outside of Harrison Smith, that other spot's been a revolving door for a couple of years now, and I feel like he can put a stop to that. Um, obviously, he was part of that historic Georgia defense, put up 73 tackles, got a pick, nine pass breakups, and he was the best cover safety in the SEC last year. Um, so I feel like that's a good investment into the secondary. Um, and then I also like the Ed Ingram pick. Uh, I feel like he's been a very solid uh, offensive lineman for the LSU. He graded out as the best pass blocking guard in the SEC last year. And I feel like he could be that final finishing piece on the, a very young offensive line that Minnesota has. Um, and I feel like they kind of hit everything that they need. They picked up an edge rusher. They have a wide receiver. They picked up a running back, obviously, in the secondary. Picked up a linebacker. So I feel like they didn't uh, miss a need that they needed. But uh, – but it's a B on talent just because outside of the, the first three guys, I don't think there's a ton of talent there. And it's a C plus just because, like I said, the, letting your division rivals pick up a 
big uh, weapons like that is uh, a no-no. Skyler, how do you grade it? Uh, y'all going to hate me. Uh, I go B plus, so I go original. Um, and you know what? Yes, you do allow uh, Jameson Williams to go to Detroit. You do allow what Christian Watkins to go to Watson, uh, yeah. Watson yeah. to go to Green Bay. Okay, you do. But again, these are you have already the best uh, skill position players really in the league, or not in the league in the NFC North because Amon Saint, Amon Ross and Brown is. As good as he played last season, it didn't come till the end of the season, and he's still an unproven talent at wide receiver. Um, pair it with Jamison Williams, who had that injury last season. We don't know when he's going to be playing for the Detroit Lions. He could play day one, but we don't know if we're getting the same version of Jamison Williams back. Um, Green Bay is going to be good, but Green Bay also took three wide receivers in the draft this year. So it's going to be – yeah, so you're going – so they were going to pick a wide receiver anyway. And actually I believe that Minnesota traded up and then at to 42 and you guys drafted Christian Watson at 46. No. Minnesota had the 33rd overall pick green Bay had green Bay took the va- uh, the Raiders second round pick they got for Devonte Adams and they flipped. So green Bay drafted 33 overall took Christian Watson, Minnesota moved back to 42 and that's where they took Andrew Booth. Okay. So again, you're having uh okay, so they get Christian Watson, good talent, but again, because Adams um Devontae Adams left, you lost what is conceivably the best wide receiver in the league, and you're replacing him with Christian Watson, who again, Christian Watson's a good guy. But Green Bay coming into this draft was doing the one thing that everyone has been telling them to do from the beginning, which is to draft a fucking wide receiver. Um and they drafted multiple and I loved some of their picks. And again, I'm not going to be as hard. Like really what it did is it took me from going from an, from giving this draft an A to giving it a B because I honestly really, really do like this draft. There are some caveats. I love getting Lewis seen from Georgia Stein seen um, from Georgia. He is a great coverage safety. He is exactly Mitch was right on the hit it right on top of the head. He pairs nicely with Harrison Smith. He can play the deep safety Gives you a ball hawk in the back there that with now, again, one of the weakest where everyone else has a weak wide receiver core. You're not going to allow him to get behind you. Um, I love that. You get Andrew Booth Jr., who was a first-round talent if it wasn't for a, a tweak that he had uh, at the end of the season. Um, you get somebody to pairs on the outside next to either like that can either play next to Cameron Dantzler or can play next to uh, Patrick Peterson and Cameron Dantzler had a revival of the season last year. He went, he had a great season last year at Ingram. I like as a pass blocker, but he does have trouble off the field. He at one point was suspended from LSU for uh, sexual misconduct uh, allegations. That's something that you're, you're having to take a chance on. Cause again, he was a first round talent if it wasn't for those kinds of things. So you got three roughly first round talent guys. And again, you did trade back twice. You still got three first round talent guys with your first three picks. That's a pretty, that's more than pretty good. That's actually really good. Um, I look at some of their other picks, their linebacker that they got out of Oklahoma. I actually really, really like him. He had to cover a lot of, uh, he has a ton of speed and he had to cover a lot. And he specifically showed that what he was able to do in the senior bowl, he matches well against tight ends and halfbacks. And again, this is a, this is a division that loves their tight ends and halfbacks. You're going to have to be able to match against Tunyon. You're going to have to be able to match against um, I can say. Uh, 
yeah, Lockett, like any of these guys, you're going to, there are a, a bunch of pass catching running backs and good pass catching tight ends in this division. And you're going to need somebody to do that. Brian Asama does great with that. Um, you bring in uh, Ty Chandler to work as a halfback. You get another halfback. He did pretty good at Tennessee. He is known for his speed. He gives you an extra different element. So he's kind of like you have Alexander Madison, who's more of a power. You have uh, Cook, who is has good balance. And then you have Ty Chandler, who works well in the speed. You give uh, Vidarian Lowe from Illinois, who is a good – he was a five-year starter at Illinois. He's part of a good Illinois offensive line. There he needs to work on some of that lateral quickness. Um, but he is a good depth piece for an offensive line that has the that does you need depth on. Um, Jalen Naylor from uh Michigan State, he's got all of the skills that you absolutely need. The only problem is that he has um he has uh in, he had injury issues at Michigan State. Nick Muse, he's a good blocking tight end. So that's somebody that like you when you're losing Tyler Conklin, you need somebody that can be able to block on the outside. He's probably not going to be a day one starter, but he provides you some of those skills that you need when you're now you you're missing because specifically in this kind of offense that they're going to run under Kevin O'Donnell. Tight end is used if they're not split out wide, they're used more as a uh, as a run blocker and what you need to do in this offense. So it works as more like an H back. Um in the system. So I think that like looking at everything that they're doing, it's showing that they realized the holes that were needed in this team. They drafted two defensive backs and a linebacker with their first four uh, with three of their first four picks. They get good talent for three of their first three picks are all first round talent. Then yes, they traded back. And for that kind of dumb move, you get a B plus, but uh, looking at this, this is a good first draft from a new front office. Yeah. So <sighs> I've said it a couple of times with a couple of different teams draft, which is the longer I look at the draft, the more I dislike it or the more it's confusing to me. Um, it's the exact opposite with Minnesota. Had it not been for the green Bay and the Detroit trades, I probably would have slapped an a plus on this draft grade because there's not many areas where I think they didn't do well. The two offensive linemen they took um, Ed Ingram and uh, Vidarian Lowe, I think were respect. Uh, I think that they were respectively their the best two linemen on their teams, and and some of the best linemen in their conference. Um, I think the Ty Chandler pick is a fucking knock out of the park. In all honesty, this dude had uh, 14 total touchdowns, had over a thousand yards rushing last year with the North Carolina team that we all agreed took a step back offensively. Um, the Lewis Sign and Andrew Booth uh, picks are are on paper. Absolutely fantastic. Skyler absolutely said it perfectly. Those were both first round talents that Minnesota got and only had to spend one first round pick to grab it. The issue is the reason that I'm going to give this draft an overall a minus is that we sat here and we agreed that secondary is their is their worst position. And right now you're throwing two rookies who are probably going to be expected to start and Cam Dantzler, who is a, a had a solid year for Minnesota last year, but is still a younger guy. And you give, you allow two division rivals who are also in the rebuilding process in their own extents to draft the wide receivers that they really want. Now I'd understand if it was just the Detroit one, because we all agree Detroit is a ways away, but you give Aaron Rodgers a guy who let's not forget here went undefeated without Devonte Adams in the three years during the Matt LaFleur era 
So not having Devontae Adams is one thing, but this is a team that is 7-0 and in three seasons without Devontae Adams at wide receiver, and you give them the wide receiver that they want. And as Skyler said, you then watch his Green Bay drafts two more wide receivers throughout the, throughout the draft class, and they signed Sammy Watkins as well as bringing back uh, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. So yeah, Green Bay lost Devontae Adams. That's fine. Um, that's a bonus for you. You don't got to play him two times a year, but – Green Bay still has the best quarterback in the division. And now you've given them a wide receiver that they can build on. And you've done that while also having Green Bay draft two additional wide receivers that they can, that they can grow on. That's why this is an A minus because it might work out really well. Who knows what Jamison Williams and Christian Watson's career are going to look like with their respective teams. They may turn into busts who knows, but right now making not one, but two, not, not only in conference, but in division trades to allow division rivals, guys, you got to play four times a year to draft the wide receivers that they really want while you've got a struggling secondary because the same argument about Christian Watson and Jameson Williams may not produce. Hey, man, there's no guarantee Lewis Sign or Andrew Booth are going to do it either, right? You're just putting yourself back into a bad situation now. I give it an A minus because I think Minnesota took that terrible situation that they started the draft class off with. And I think they drafted really, really well, but those two things, those two trades, which could make up a quarter of your season can severely come back and bite you in the ass. We talk about their defense was the worst part. Their secondary was the worst part of this team last year. And you allow almost a quarter of your season to improve at the wide receiver position with trades that you allow to go through any, any fucking idea that Minnesota didn't think green Bay was going to take Christian Watson, or they didn't think Detroit was going to take Jamison Williams is fucking stupid because the minute green Bay traded up to, uh, to 33, we all knew who they were taking. It, it, it was a, it, we all knew who they were taking Detroit. Sure. Maybe that was a little bit more of a 50 50, but if you ask anybody in the Detroit front office, their goal was to get back into the first round to trade up, to get the wide receiver that they wanted. And Detroit was allowed to do so because Minnesota and that first year front office made a mistake that I think 31 other league executives would not have made. And then they made that mistake twice. So, I think they're going to get a solid amount of production. I love the Tanner Muse pick. I love the Ty Chandler pick. I love the uh, Andrew Booth and the Lewis Sign pick. I think they can all do great things. The idea of Lewis Sign learning under Harrison Smith and Andrew Booth learning under uh, Patrick Peterson, those are great things. When you add on that this secondary is now Andrew Booth, Lewis Sign, uh, Harrison Smith, Chandon Sullivan, and Patrick Peterson, on paper, that is a very, very good secondary. The question is is we've talked ad nauseum with Minnesota about how on paper this is not an 8-9 football team, and yet they went 8-9 last year and went, I believe, 8-8 eight eight the year before, 7-9 the year before. I don't necessarily remember. So I give it an A-minus, which I think is still one of my higher draft classes. It would have been an A-plus had they not pulled the trigger on those two trades with Green Bay and Detroit, uh, respectively. Um, let's move on to our season prediction for the Vikings. Vikings start the season out at home against the Green Bay Packers. So we'll see how that Christian Watson trade works out right off uh, the bat on the season. They then go to Philadelphia, back home against Detroit, at New Orleans, home against Chicago, at Miami before a bye week. Um, They then come out of the bye week, uh, uh, hosting Arizona, going to Washington, to Buffalo, home against Dallas, home against New England, home against the Jets, 
then they close the season out at Detroit, home against Indy, home against the Giants, at Green Bay, at Chicago. Eight and nine last year. Lots of improvement in a lot of places. Kirk Cousins is still your quarterback. Mitch, how do you have the Minnesota Vikings going next year? Yeah, I think they can uh, do two wins better. I have them going 10 and 7. Um, just looking at the schedule first, I mean, it's a pretty good schedule considering. I mean, there's really only two teams I think that they don't get a win, the first being the Buffalo Bills, and then I don't think they sweep the Packers. So um, those are like two for sure losses, but I think everything else is up for grabs um, considering that who they have to play. Um, but <laughs> – I mean, they have the offense, and I think they made some good moves uh, with it to shore it up. Um, but that defense is going to be the biggest question mark, uh, just like years previous. Um, they definitely made the upgrades to it between their draft picks and free agency. Um, but there's still a lot of question marks, like Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter coming off serious back injuries. Are they going to hold up for the season? Um, otherwise, this is a different defense if none of them can play the linebacking uh, core has questions and this is a very young secondary um, so with considering all that I think the bare minimum this team should be able to do is 10 and 7 Scatter? I go one game more I go 11 and 6 I look at this I look at it. there's it's again part of it's their schedule mm-hmm. um, last year's schedule was not the easiest for them this year's schedule is a lot easier I do see teams like uh, Miami get with all of their weapons giving them uh, trouble uh, Buffalo is definitely a half of this loss. Um, Dallas could possibly cause them trouble. Um, but again, I don't, I, I think Dallas, like Dallas is worse. Arizona is worse. Um, and you went four and two last season in division. If you can replicate that, then you can go uh, at least uh, 11, like you can go 11 and six. I think that your conference schedule is so much easier this year. I think that you have a fighting chance against teams like uh, the Eagles, Um and uh, the Colts. Uh, so that's, that's really where it's at. I, so 11 and six is where I'm putting this team. I think that they have a, ch- they have a chance of challenging for uh, the NFC North, depending on how uh, the post of Adams goes for uh, Green Bay and losing some other what we- and losing some other pieces. But again, like we've said, Green Bay is seven and oh without Devontae Adams. So I don't, I don't see Minnesota sweeping them. Um, but I, they could again go four and two in division, um, and they could put up at least win at least uh, four or five other games in conference, which would be really big for them. Yeah, so I agree with Skyler on their division record. I agree with Mitch on their overall record. I think this team finishes ten and seven, but they do go four and two in division. How that looks in division, I don't know. If I were to put money on it, I'd say they beat Green Bay week one because Green Bay still isn't going to have Devonte Adams but they're also still not going to have Bob Tanya. He's not expected back until maybe mid-season. There's a good chance Elton Jenkins isn't going to be coming back until at least week five or week six. So week one is a very winnable game for Minnesota. I think they lose to Philadelphia in week two. Um, And after that, their next four games are all winnable. Detroit, New Orleans, Chicago, Miami, those are all very winnable games. Minnesota could walk into their bye week five and one. But I I disagree with you guys in that I think that back half of the schedule is is – sneakily more difficult than it looks home against Arizona at Washington following up at Buffalo coming back home against Dallas um, and then going on and then uh, back home for a Thursday night game against New England. Listen, man, four of those five teams were in the playoffs last year. And the one team that wasn't was in the playoffs the year before that. 
something that Minnesota hasn't done either of the last two seasons. Minnesota could walk into that week's uh, eight game against Arizona five and one, and they may walk out after that, after uh, the New England game five and five. It's, it's a distinct possibility because New England is only going to get better with Mac Jones. And we, and we kind of agreed. We talked, we haven't talked about New England, but there's a lot of areas where New England has improved from last season. Dallas has really only taken a step back in that they've lost Amari Cooper, but we all said it was a home run that they kept Dan Quinn. They still have CD lamp, still have Ezekiel Elliott, have a fully healthy Dak Prescott. And they did a lot of things in the draft that I really like Washington. We talked about not much to write home about, but still a solid defensive line that can write, that can wreak havoc on a run game that Minnesota really needs to invest in. And Arizona was a team who had such a hot start to the season as, and by the time Minnesota and Arizona play, th- that would be two weeks after DeAndre Hopkins comes back. So they could go five and five in that stretch. Then you look at their last six games, and I think really the only for sure loss is the week 17 game at Green Bay. However, I have them losing another divisional game. So whether that's to Detroit or Chicago, I'm not sure, but that's how I have them going 10 and seven. For me, 10 and seven is good enough to make the playoffs. I have Minnesota making it. But as a wild card, I think they lose uh, to I think they do lose to Green Bay to the overall divisional record. But it's a lot closer than it has been these last couple of years. The question the question that just has to be asked is, what are we going to get out of Kirk Cousins? Because if we got if we got a five to one touchdown interception ratio, but I've only got eight wins on the season and this defense improves. What are we going to get? What are we going to what are we going to get? That's the question mark. That's the question. Um, so I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time in these team previews all of us have a team with a winning record next season. Uh, check. Um, uh, check uh, the. Uh, no, because we had Denver before. Denver. Sure. You're right. You're right. I apologize. We had Denver before. So, uh, so yeah, second second team. But we're about halfway through our draft class here and or through our, our team previews. And we've only got two teams so far with a winning record. So lots of things to debate as we go forward. Um, quick announcement. Our next episode is uh, supposedly going to be on the Cleveland Browns. We might wait and see on that, but we've got the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins coming up for sure. Two teams that had, well, Baltimore kind of had a little bit of a, a quiet off season. However, the biggest storyline is what's going on with Lamar Jackson and Miami pulled off one of the largest trades in the offseason that happened, picking up Tyree Kill and looking to have invested in uh, Tuatonga Vailoa at quarterback. So we, we're excited to bring those teams to you here. Um, and as we stated, college football is right around the corner. Professional football starts up here very, very soon. Um, the NBA Summer League is happening right now uh, because basketball is always happening. Um, the MLB playoff race is starting to heat up here. Angel Hernandez continues to look like the like the uh, blindest umpire that's ever existed. Um, so there's lots of things across the sports world uh, to talk about. We're excited to take you along on the journey. Follow us on everything and email us your guys' thoughts, fourthstringsp at gmail.com, F-O-U-R-T-H string, S-P at gmail.com. Have a fantastic night.